0: You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast, episode 429. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP429. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development Space since the mid 2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy to implement tools to help you tell the bold faced truth.
1: Yes.
0: Well, hello, pod people. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here with you all. I have an awesome topic today that we're going to be digging into, and it's something that I've talked about independently. So Let me preface this by saying, if you've hung out with me for any length of time, you know that I talk a lot about communication, about how to actually have productive, deep, and effective conversations, especially in situations where you kind of don't know what to say. Separate from that, I've also talked about the concept of emotional intelligence, But I've never really talked about them in conjunction with one another. And I really think that they have so much to do with each other. So if you think about how often you have had difficulties to communicate with somebody in your family, or maybe it's a best friend, or maybe it's a partner, and we do lack sort of the syntax or the rubric for what does that actually sound like? What does a a powerful phrase. What does the boundary sound like? How can I softly enter in? You know, we, we have all of those issues, but they're also laden with how you feel. What's actually happening for you emotionally? So, I wanted to do an episode specifically about the relationship between emotional intelligence and how we communicate with other people inside of of partnerships and inside of relationships, just period. So, this is definitely not about specifically intimate partnerships at all. So, please don't tune out if you aren't in, if you're not partnered. This will be applicable to absolutely every type of relationship because every relationship involves emotions, right? So it's something that's been really top of mind. You've probably heard me talk about Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, which is a really, truly groundbreaking book. And we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. But really, it's an encyclopedia on emotions. It's a vade mecum of all of the emotions that we may know by name, but really don't identify with how they actually feel as we go through them. So I've been thinking a lot about this emotional intelligence element. So I wanted to give a call to Dr. Shamala Kairou, who literally wrote the book on it and has so much incredible wisdom and some formulaic ways that she walks people through the connection between emotional intelligence and communication and what that really means. For our relationships. So I am going to give her a call. Hopefully she will pick up. Hopefully she's available. Before I attempt at getting her on the phone, I wanted to give you a little bit of heads up of who Dr. Shamala Kairu is because you know what? She's a little bit of a badass. She is an ex-therapist, which I find so delightful. And she's transformed now into a leadership and relationship expert with. 20 years' experience in advanced communication, relationship management, and leadership training for high-powered women. She also founded a global coaching company. It is called the EQ Code, and it's specifically designed for women who are ready to master their emotions communicate fearlessly and lead with confidence so that they can execute on their mission at a totally different level. And if I'm able to catch her, we'll definitely dig into that and talk a little bit more about some of the cornerstones of that work that she does. She doesn't actually practice psychotherapy any longer, but she did found an organization called the Cairo Psychotherapy Clinic, which is a virtual mental health practice serving uh, Canada, which is super fucking cool. She's also a speaker. She's made plenty of national television show appearances. She's really just an incredible spirit. So let's give her a ring and tap into a little bit of that genius. Hello. Shamala. Hey, it's Amy Smith. How are you, Amy? How are you? So good to hear from you. I'm amazing. And I'm hanging out over here with the audience and we've been digging into some concepts around emotional intelligence. You know, I'm always talking about communication and I know that is your wheelhouse. Do you have a handful of minutes where I can dig into some of this stuff that I know you are literally writing
1: the book on. Um, do you have some time? You know what? I just hopped off of my Peloton. Let me just, (laughs) let me just wipe the sweat from my brow and I will be good to go. Let's do this. Well, let
0: me ask you really quickly, because one of my good friends is a, is an instructor for Peloton. Who did you ride with?
1: Oh my God. Okay. You got to tell me who your friend is, but my favorite, favorite instructor that I ride with almost all the time is Jess King.
0: Stop it. That's her.
1: No. Stop. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. You're going to have to like introduce me or something. I'm lately, I just cannot get enough of her classes. Seriously. Shout out to Jess King. Yeah. So in,
0: uh, Many, many moons ago, I worked in makeup artistry and we met when I was doing a masterclass teaching the cast with a bunch of other artists as well, but teaching the cast of So You Think You Can Dance season four, which is what she was on. And I picked her because I was a fan of the show and they said like, who do you guys want to work on? And I said, I want Jess King. So, and then we became friends. We've been friends ever since. So. I love yeah. her energy. There's she's the best.
1: something about it that's like way out there and grounding all at the same time.
0: Yeah, she's the best. I was hoping you were going to say her. I was hoping you were going to say her. So, okay. So before you go off to go take a shower, mm-hmm. let me ask you about some emotional intelligence stuff. So I have talked about this concept and I've also talked about communication a lot, but I haven't really looked at the intersection between the two. So before we dive into all of that, how do you define emotional intelligence? I think we have these buzzwords, these, you know, sort of personal development topics that kind of float around and people are like, oh, I think I know what that is, but how do you define it?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's not often that I get to, you know, chat with someone about emotional intelligence that also is so immersed in that world as well. So it's kind of cool that we're having this conversation. So for me, emotional intelligence, it's two parts. Um, The first part is about self-regulation, right? It's really the ability to be self-aware and to self-regulate. So it's all about you, as a person, right? Is, is your emotional awareness, your self-awareness, your ability to regulate your emotions. The second piece of emotional intelligence for me is other awareness
0: and relationship
1: management. So it's about what happens in the space between yourself and the other person. And I'm sure we'll talk about this some more, but or maybe I I should just let you get to it. But for me, like communication is the bridge between the two. It's about how we navigate ourselves, how we regulate ourselves, how we manage ourselves, and then how we navigate our relationships. Like communication becomes the vehicle that allows us to do that.
0: I, I love that definition because, so here's what I'm hearing from you is that the self-regulation piece is, is, the full awareness, the intelligence, and really being able to name what I'm experiencing. Here's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling overwhelmed, shame, embarrassment, frustration, et cetera, which that in itself, thanks to our lady, Brene Brown with her new book Atlas, like we are realizing that so many people don't have that relation, that emotional acuity to even have the vernacular around what the hell I'm even feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, even like the kids these days are just saying, I'm in my feels," And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah." which one though, which <laughs> one? And then the, re- the relationship piece is okay. Now what is the impact? What is the impact on what I'm experiencing? And how does that either hinder or grow this connection that I have with somebody? Is that a fair That's assessment?
1: Right. Yeah. And for me, it's like that space between self and other is so fluid. You know what I'm saying? Like we can, we can look at emotional intelligence as there's like sort of two constructs within emotional intelligence. There's the piece that's like, that's the space within me. It's the self-awareness, the self-management, emotion regulation. Then there's the other person and the other awareness and the relationship management, but really that space between self and other is so fluid, right? And that's what the real emotional intelligence is, is how do you navigate that fluidity, between yourself and another human. Right. Right. So let me ask you this. So I grew up
0: in a family where it's somewhat of an anomaly for Gen X family or for Gen Xers who were raised by boomers. My, my father would do these exercises with me when I was little, where he would say, show me excited. And I would go, "Ah," you know, and demonstrate that. And then he'd go, show me show me scared. And I go, uh, 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 you know, and so I learned very early how to name them. Also how they felt in my body. I was obviously very demonstrative in my movement. And, and I also learned that I was allowed to be things other than just happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I recognize that that's quite not normal. It's so, not. so like how many, to- pe- right. How many people do you meet? Right? Never. Like
1: you, you ne- neither do I. Like I almost never ever meet a person that's like, oh, what's so cool is that my parents taught me how to do this. <laughs> that's ne- like never, right? It's often the opposite is what we're
0: taught. That's right. We're- so so speak to that a little bit about, about the sort of the what we inherit as far as emotional intelligence from our families of origin.
1: I think one of the most important things to recognize. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to make the assumption that you are interested in personal growth, personal development, Mm -hmm. you're wanting to uplevel your life in some way, right? Like you're wanting to show up differently, like on some level, you're at least toying with the idea, if not fully taking on the idea of taking responsibility for yourself. You know, I'm going to make that assumption. So if we are in a space where we are excited about and ready to take responsibility for ourselves, I think one of the first concepts that's important for us to understand is that our current self, unless we have done some work to intentionally shift it was formed from early childhood patterns. Yes. Right. And I, I use that caveat, like Like, you know, you and I have probably done a lot of work, perhaps to intentionally shift patterns Mm -hmm. that were no longer serving us. That's right. Whether it was mindset patterns, communication patterns, attachment patterns, whatever patterns. Um, But unless we do that, what we need to understand as a starting place is that who you are today, that the self that shows up today was formed through early childhood patterning Mm -hmm. that happened at a subconscious level. Sure. These are powerful templates Mm -hmm. that have been literally handed down to us. Right. And then we
0: also have that compounded trauma of epigenetics and sort of generational patterns that we inherit. So, you know, I think about, okay, I'm not only changing the patterns for myself, but also how my mom emotionally regulates, how her mom, her father, their parents emotionally, or didn't really, right? Mm -hmm. Like there, there there's so many forces here where I think largely being in a patriarchal society, we really applaud anger. We say like, that's one emotion, fuck yes, go batshit. You're allowed to do that because I think so much of that is rooted in sort of a masculine energy. And yes. I mean, that's, you know, my, my thoughts on it, but so what do we do with this? If we go, well, I guess I'm fucked. Cause my parents said, <laughs> don't come out of your room unless you're happy. And that's it, mm-hmm. which yep. I've heard from so many folks, like whatever yep. you're
1: feeling, I just don't want to see it. Like go right. hide out. That's right. Like these are the, the two or three emotions that are acceptable. If you're not feeling those two or three things, then don't show me. That's right right? let like right. stuff that away. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we see this even when anybody ever tears up and they've been interviewed on television or something like that. And they start to get a little choked up. The first thing they say is I'm sorry. It's like, I'm so sorry. You have to be with my humanity. I'm so sorry. You have to see this. And then the, usually the person on the other side, how often do they say, don't
1: cry? I can't be with your humanity. Right, That's right. That's such a good point. You're so right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's such a, it's such a natural reaction. Right. And I know you talk a lot about people pleasing. I think it's, it's rooted in that. Like it's rooted in that I'm here to make sure you're okay. Right right? Like my role in that fluidity between self and other is to make sure that the other is okay.
0: And I think there's this way in which we have bought into a social narrative. And I'm really curious what you think about this. We've bought into this narrative that experiencing emotions or cultivating our emotional self is dangerous. Either, either I'm not going to be able to rope it back in It'll be a floodgate and I'll just never gain Mm -hmm. my composure again. Um, I'll be viewed as weak. I'm not safe. Like there's, I think there's this whole bevy of perspective that we have around it. That is, it's dangerous to feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you see that for me?
1: yeah, I would agree like, it's, it's like, I, I love that you touched on. It's dangerous for me to feel like, what if I can't rope it back in? Oh my God. Am I like a danger to myself? If I let myself feel and then others, like they might perceive me as weak or they might perceive me as not safe or not. Um, I think especially, you know, in the online space, I know you and I have kind of similar audiences. We work with a lot of females, not all females, but a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of females. I work with a lot of, um, like professional women, entrepreneurial women, and yes. particularly in that space, it's like, I need to maintain my position of authority, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. right. My brand is about being the authority, being the expert, showing up with that kind of energy. And it doesn't make a lot of space for those softer emotions, right? Right. Right? Or those softer expressions, and again, I mean,
0: that all comes back again to patriarchy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what we deem as powerful and as acceptable. And so if somebody out there is hearing this and they're going, okay, yeah, I, I did grow up with a very strong upbringing that told me, if you do this you're being a pussy, you're being weak, you'll never get ahead, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional where it was like okay, it's not safe for me to be this. It's not safe for me to actually explore my emotional self. So let me turn to behaviors like perfectionism, overachieving, control, whatever it happens to be. So if if people are listening and they're going, okay, why do I want to do this? Like what's the benefit of having emotional intelligence or emotional acuity? What's the payoff?
1: Oh man, Because I I so deeply believe that the biggest investment we can make in ourselves is to increase and develop our emotional, our our emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And actually the research tells us that over 85% of our financial success depends on emotional intelligence. Yep, And I believe it's not just our financial success. It's also our personal success. How happy are we in our personal lives, our relationships, in our homes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of that. Like, I just think 85% of our success and fulfillment and joy and all of those things is actually dependent on our ability to access and execute the skills associated with emotional intelligence. So, for me, it's not even like, yeah, there's a huge, massive payoff. But for me, it really feels like truly a non negotiable. I think. Emotional intelligence skills are skills that every single person deserves to have access to. Like, I actually think it should be taught in schools. I do too. hundred percent. Right. Like we're going to talk, teach English and math and, you know, all the rest of the stuff that I don't remember. Let's teach emotional intelligence.
0: Yeah. Wh- like let's go ahead and scrap parallelogram week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The, the thing that I think we don't even realize, and, and anyone who's in marketing or sales will know this that every fucking decision we make is rooted in emotion, whether we think so or not. We, we like to yeah. think it's logic and reason, right? but it is not. But it is not. Every yeah. decision is how we think that thing or that experience is going to make us feel. Yes. So it's like we're trying to ignore this huge piece of us, but I also think it has a direct correlation to our health too,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: that- you know, I think about my, my mother-in-law who passed away, I, I think in 2015 and my husband and I have discussed this a lot where a- aside from her actual physical ailments, we think she died from a lack of processing so much like a lifetime of trauma yeah. that manifested in her, it, it physically. Yeah. So it it gets really sticky. I think when we, when we go, okay, let's not feel it. Let's push it down. Let's push it down. But even if we're looking at it from a scientific standpoint, it's just energy. It has to go somewhere. It Mm -hmm. you know, it can't be created or Mm -hmm. destroyed. It's got to be synthesized into something else. And that's not always a good thing. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think that this is, you know, I think we sort of started our conversation around, you know, what is really the intersection between emotional intelligence and communication, or we can look at it as the intersection between emotional intelligence and um, like relationship management. And I think that's exactly it. Like if we don't have mastery over our ability to, to you know, be emotionally aware to self-regulate all of those things. If we don't feel like comfortable with our emotional selves, I'll tell you the spillover is in our relationships. That's right. Like that's where all the ickiness, like that's where it all happens. Right. It's like, it starts to impact um, our relationships. And I actually got like the way I got into this area of specialization is So when I was, I don't practice psychotherapy anymore, Mm -hmm. um, but when I was practicing psychotherapy, my specialty, my doctoral degree was in couple and family therapy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed, um, from practice, I practiced for almost two decades is that, you know, relationship distress was the strongest predictor of mental health distress. Wow. It was the strongest predictor and, and why were so many relationships in distress because people didn't have these simple core skills around emotion regulation, you know, assertive communication boundary setting, like. For Mm -hmm. me, these are like basic life skills that we all deserve. People simply didn't have those skills. And so they were unable to navigate their relationships with, with confidence or with ease or, and it was, it became so distressing for them that it had such a huge impact on the rest of their lives.
0: So what, if I can kind of size this up, I'm hearing, first of all, emotional intelligence allows you to establish boundaries by being able to articulate what's happening for you, asking for what you need it's impacting our actual mental health. It's impacting our physical health. There's something that I think we're, that it warrants addressing here too, about what are the, why do we, why should we even do this work? And I love how Brene talks about sort of the spectrum of emotion and how we think, okay, I'm only going to do the fun emotions, but the idea is, you know, she has that great quote of you can't selectively numb emotion. If -hmm. you numb the dark, you numb the light. So what that means is if you are out there going, I don't want to feel my shame. I don't want to feel my guilt. I don't want to feel my embarrassment. All these things that are uncomfortable. That also means that you are squashing your ability to feel ecstasy, bliss, joy, enthusiasm, curiosity, like all these other elements of rich living that's available to us.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'm such a firm believer that if you don't have the skills, the capacity, like to feel all of those things and to make choice, like, and be responsive to those emotions, not reactive, but respond, like choose a response that you want right? Like take the action that you want based on those emotions. It then impacts your ability to build fulfilling relationships. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you can have okay relationships. maybe you're not like fighting with everybody in your life. Right. But I mean, like deeply fulfilling relationships. Like I I think without that piece, again, going back to those two constructs of emotional intelligence, without the piece around self-awareness, self-regulation, you know, being able to be responsive to my emotions, I really believe we limit the level of intimacy, joy, fulfillment, satisfaction that we experience with others. And I think we're wired as human beings to connect. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring up
0: vulnerability there because I I have often said I feel very strongly that our ability to be vulnerable in a relationship is directly equivalent to how much intimacy we experience inside that relationship.
1: Yes.
0: So vulnerability is essentially an expression of emotion. It's allowing your emotions to be seen, right? So if we go, and I see this all the time where it's like, oh sure, I'll be vulnerable, but you first, (laughs) you first, Uh you show me all your stuff. And then maybe I'll determine if I'm safe enough to to bear my soul. But what we don't realize is like, when we build up all those walls, we have just as much walled up intimacy. We have that lack of depth to the relationship. So If you want just surface relationships the rest of your life, great, be walled up. But if you want to live richly, Mm -hmm. then let's
1: let's let's get down to business, right? I like that word, like richly, right? Like it's it's that's such a beautiful way to put it, right? You can keep doing what you're doing. And there's the truth is, I would say, you know, probably like 80% of relationships are on the surface. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But if we want to go like deeper, if we want to have the richness of that emotional experience of the experience within the relationships, it is going to require emotional intelligence. You can't convince me otherwise. Like that just is kind of where I'm at at this point, right? Of my life, my forties. I'm like, there's just no other way around it. And even
0: if you scroll through TikTok or Instagram, there's, there's a couple of accounts I follow that are, just always tearjerkers, right? They're doing mm. such, a, it's it's like the greatest pieces of humanity and everybody in the comments responds emotionally. Mm. They are into it. You know, if we look at advertising, the, the shit that sells us sells based off of emotion. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we, that being intelligent and have a, and having acuity around our emotional selves is somehow weak is absolutely a, a fallacy. Cause I think that is what
1: gives us so much personal power. Yes. Yes. Which is I, what right. I'm hearing you say too. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think it, you know, it's that whole, you'd said it a little while ago, the, the piece around, you know, am i afraid that if i allow myself to feel my emotions that i'll lose control that i won't be able to rein it in but the real power is in knowing that you can feel your emotions and you can regulate your emotions and you can be responsive to them not reactive mm-hmm. yes like that for me is a, that's what for me that's what confidence is right like like Real confidence is all about that, having that deep sense of trust in yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't allow yourself to touch into your emotional experiences? How do you Mm -hmm. trust yourself? That's right. You don't, you, you you search everything out,
0: uh, you outsource everything. You make sure Mm -hmm. everybody else is okay with your decisions. You don't know if you, how you're feeling. Yeah. It's, it's a shit show. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this? Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness, and all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to Amy amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice take up space and advocate for their wants needs and opinions like yesterday And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits. And it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's get checked. Laboratories are CLIA-approved and CAP-accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's get checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test test kit. Now let's jump back into today's topic. Let me ask you specifically about a concept that I know you talk about a lot in your work. You talk about communication culprits. Mm. Can we talk about how these culprits are? Well, maybe what a handful of them are and then Mm -hmm. how they're related to emotional intelligence so that we can kind of see in action. Oh yeah, I think I do that. And oh, I see how that's connected.
1: Yeah, let me just briefly put communication culprits in the context of like, um, there's four categories of what I call emotional traps. I didn't make this stuff up, but it's just I made up the categories, right? So the categories that I use are anxiety provokers. So these are emotional traps that will, you know, provoke our anxiety, keep us stuck in anxiety, confidence killers, relationship toxins, and communication culprits. And so, really, what these are are cognitive distortions. They're just skewed ways of thinking that have become long standing patterns over time to the point where they um, like totally skew our perspective. It's like putting on a pair of glasses. So communication culprits are simply a set of think emotional traps or cognitive distortions is another word that you could use for it. That's a clinical term for it. It's simply a set of distorted ways of thinking that actually affect the way that you communicate. So I'll give you some examples because maybe that's just the easy, easiest way to understand it. So making demands is, is a communication culprit. And in, in my, in the work that I do and in my opinion, okay. so making demands would be rather than, and it actually starts in our, our, our brains. That's the thing. Like, I always say to my clients, communication does not start from your mouth. It starts in your mind, mm-hmm. right? Like this is second, what happens from your mouth is secondary. Mm -hmm. But it really does start in your mind and the way that you're thinking. So if your thinking is distorted and you think life has to go your way, you think people have to give you everything you ask for, you think you're entitled to whatever it is, Mm -hmm. people are there to make you happy, then you're going to fall into the trap of making demands. When you communicate, it's a communication pattern and style that comes out based on your thinking. Would that be something like an
0: ultimatum? Like you either do this or you do that or something that's manipulation.
1: Yes, it could be that. Um, Another one, maybe it'll help to give you a couple. Another one is blaming. That's another, right? It's constantly putting the responsibility, the fault, the blame on the other person rather than having a look at how did I, you know, contribute to this, whatever this problem is.
0: Blame is blame is really, really sexy and appealing because you don't have to do jack shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You get to, you get to stay in this place of, well, I could be happy if all these other people would just get their shit together.
1: Exactly. And how often do you hear that?
0: All the day. I mean, look at our political sphere. I mean, yeah. everybody <laughs> is like,
1: it's your fault. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. Every it's everybody else's fault. Yes. But do you hear, like, I love how you, I love how you act things out. This is amazing. So did you, do you, it's, it's fantastic for these examples. What's beautiful about it, but do you hear how that started in your mind? Yeah. Before you even opened your mouth and said something, it start, like there was a perspective that you held mm-hmm. and it was a distorted perspective. You maybe have held that perspective for a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that shows up in all of your relationships or in yeah. all sorts of different places. And then once you start speaking, it comes out. And how you're communicating. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and I think a lot of that is developed from. And I think this is a really important thing to talk about: is we develop those patterns because it is the only tool or skill set that we learned to actually get our needs met, even though it doesn't have a high success rate. And you know, so it's rooted in. Oh gosh, you know. I learned that this is how you achieve love from my family of origin. So now this is how I go out and I try to communicate in this way in order to get these needs met. And I keep doing it over and over and over again. And it's not working. And we get to this place where it's no longer really keeping us safe like it is in our our childhood. And now it's interfering with the things that we want, like intimacy, like richness, like connection.
1: Yes, I'm so I'm so glad you said that exactly like any like and we work with like several different types of emotional traps um, in some of the, the training and the programming that we do. But any emotional trap that you fall into, so whether you fall into blaming or you fall into um, making demands, as I mentioned, you fall into that trap because there was a time where there was a very good reason you fell into that trap. Sure. Right. Like there was a time in your life where it made total sense. Of course you would be blaming, Mm -hmm. right. It was a protective strategy. It kept you safe. It was survival, whatever the case might be. Right. The problem is, and this is why, you know, earlier on in our conversation, um, I was saying with family of origin templates, what we need to understand is that unless we have made the conscious decision and taken action, to change the way that we are showing up in our lives and in our relationships, we know that we are simply operating out of family of origin templates that were simply handed down to us. Mm -hmm. Right? So if we're falling into emotional traps today, it's quite likely because we're just caught in those old templates, those old patterns, we simply haven't had the support or the skills or the whatever it is to reprogram that way of thinking and then it also compounds the
0: problem when we're still around those families yes. <laughs> oh yeah for and sure and then we revert back to okay everybody in my family handles things with passive aggressiveness or everybody in my family handles it things with blame or screaming and yelling and you mm-hmm. go oh my God. And we immediately go, we kind of, you know, retract back into that older version of ourselves. And so you can really see it quite clearly when you've done some of the work and you go,
1: oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> this is uh-huh. what I'm trying to undo. That's right. This is that's right. And it feels, do. and it feels awkward, right? Like it feels awkward to go back into your family of origin system uh, as this person who's done all this work and you're practicing assertiveness and you're practicing self-responsibility and, and boundary setting. And you go back in and everyone thinks you're speaking a foreign language. Like, like, who the hell are you to set a boundary or to say no, or to not agree with everything that's happening here? That's right. That's right. They kick back. Yes. And they kick back hard.
0: Yeah. They they go like, oh, Amy went to a retreat now and she thinks that she's this or, you know, Shamala just got, you know, got her PhD and now she thinks she knows she can diagnose right. all of that. Yeah. That's and right. so they want to discredit and, and that all comes yes. from fear and their yeah. own paradigms and yeah, it's, it's sticky and it's so complicated. So, so from your perspective and sort of the model that you teach, mm-hmm. do you, and perhaps this is just how my mind operates, I think, very linear. uh, linear. Do you look at, okay, if we're talking about this trajectory of really effective communication, do you always start first with emotional intelligence before you even get to the place of dealing with communication?
1: Yeah, So actually my mind is very linear as well. So cool. <laughs> anyone, anyone who actually, um, has worked with me knows that about me. So I do, I have a very step by step approach mm-hmm. to, um, the work that we do. And so when I think about emotional intelligence, so the program, um, the programs that we deliver are housed within my coaching company, which is called the EQ code, the emotional intelligence code. Mm-hmm. And so we have three core pillars of success and then like a fourth additional one. So the first pillar of success that we work with people on is what we call emotional mastery. And emotional mastery is simply teaching and we, we train women, we train women, um, how to remain calm and confident regardless of external circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that's like, we don't really pass go until we get there. Like that's the first video lessons, the work, like all the things that we coaching, it's all around emotional mastery. We want you to feel like you have mastery of your emotions. You feel Mm -hmm. safe with your emotions. You're able to name them. You're able to regulate them. You're able to be responsive to them rather than reactive. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's the first piece. And the set, so once we do that, and it, it happens, it does happen with some fluidity, but there is also very much for me, a step by step process. That for me is necessary before we can teach what's our second pillar of care, we call it fearless communication. Okay. So it's all about how do you enter in to difficult conversations, ask for what you want, how do you begin to think about setting boundaries, how do you actually communicate those boundaries, how do you maintain those boundaries, um, without allowing fear to dictate those conversations. Yes, Cause my, like my belief is that for women in particular, I'll speak to the population that I work with. We have actually been taught fear-based communication. Like that's mm-hmm. the primary modality of communication we've been taught. So mm-hmm. passive, aggressive, or passive aggressive. Right. 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 Like that, like, we're literally like, this is what you should do. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to get your needs met, just be passive aggressive. That's the best way to do it. Cause it's, mm-hmm. you know, too scared to actually ask for it directly. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Cause then you'll sound like a bitch. So just be passive aggressive. Cause that's so much better. Right. (laughs) Right. Like that's just so much better. Mm -hmm. So, so that for me is like the second, second, um, pillar of success is fearless communication. And then we'll literally work on that in the second piece of our, our programming. And then the the third pillar, um, which is part of our core pillar is what we call elevated relationships. And that's all about boundary setting. How do we navigate togetherness and separateness? Cause Hey, both are like super necessary for fulfilling relationships, right? Like you need to know how to be together and connected and, you know, attached and all of those things, but you also need to know how to be differentiated and separate and independent. Like both are necessary for a thriving relationship.
0: This is so fascinating. And I love that you've broken this down into these three pillars. And it sounds like there's a bonus pillar as well. I Mm -hmm. always love a good bonus. Mm -hmm. So I want to jump in on this second one around fearless communication, because I have a bit of a semantics issue with the word fearless. Mm -hmm. Because typically in our language understanding, it's the it's the lack of fear. It's this idea mm-hmm. that we're going to not have any fear. Mm-hmm. And I think there's actually only one documented case of someone who existed without the fear response. It's fascinating. The, the way my brain thinks is, I really like the idea of like if fear is going to be present, let's optimize it. So what if we were fear mm-hmm. optimized as opposed to mm-hmm. fear less, which mm-hmm in my very humble non-PhD mind, I feel doesn't exist. Um, So I think about, you know, I, I see a lot of people who think, okay, I'm going to get to a place where I'll communicate with my partner when I don't have any fear, when fear is non-existent.
1: And that's not what I'm meaning at all. So thank you. I'm so glad you brought that up. So what we teach is like, I still, I still feel nervous when I have to have a difficult conversation. Always, always but we do it anyway. Right. So fear doesn't drive the conversation. Cause I think for so I know for I'll speak for myself. So many of my decisions, Amy, growing up were based on fear. Like if I was afraid of something, I just wouldn't do it. If I didn't think, right. If I didn't think I was going to get what I wanted, I wouldn't ask. Like I, like I was just like, that's how I made my decisions. And so fear dicta, we talk about fear based communication versus fear. So you can Feel the fear, but it's not going to dictate the conversation that you're going to have. It's not going to dictate how direct you're going to be. It's not going to dictate how you set that boundary. Right. 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 It's not going to dictate what you ask for. Mm -hmm. I, I love to say that
0: courage cannot exist without fear. There's your courage just cannot exist without fear. You have to be scared shitless to be brave, to be Mm -hmm. courageous. Mm -hmm. So it's really sort of this dichotomous emotion. I think that we experience when we're having that tough conversation, it is, I'm feeling fear, but I'm not allowing it to arrest me. And I'm
1: behaving from a place of courage. And that's really what I'm hearing you say. Yes, absolutely. And that's why for me, like I, I don't, I personally don't know how to teach and train Assertive communication, which is really what we call fearless communication is assertive yep. communication, right? I don't know how to teach and train that without teaching you and training you emotional mastery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I, I really believe that if you're going to show up in the world powerfully, if you're going to like hold your space, like do all the things, um, you're going to feel afraid. Mm-hmm because I still do. I'm sure you still do. And then we need to know what to do with that fear when it comes up in those difficult conversations. And that for me is the emotional mastery piece. It's
0: really interesting. I did a series ages ago on, uh, imposter complex, and I was doing some research around some folks, some really notably successful folks in our, our culture who have made very definitive statements about struggling with, with imposter mm-hmm. complex, Michelle Obama, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. Tina Fey, uh all sorts of different Maya Angelou, uh uh hello. Uh, wow. And and so I started thinking about like, okay, what's the difference between people who still struggle with imposter complex, which is totally fear? It's fear of mm-hmm. what other fear of what other people are thinking, and they still behave from a place of courage. That's the difference. Yes. So I'm like yes. it's not that people magically are
1: void of fear. Nope. It's that they nope. choose courage instead over Correct. and over. Correct. Correct. And I I really believe like you know when you when you asked earlier it was such a great question about like you know why even work on the emotional intelligence like what's the payoff? What's the value? And and I go back to that statistic like over 85% of our success is tied to our emotional intelligence. Um, That research also shows that people would much rather do business. They would much rather work with a person that they know, like, and trust, trust. And I think for me, like, I feel this even personally, you know, as an, as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, all the things like I want to be in the space and in the energy and in conversations and working with people, I feel I can trust and I cannot trust a person that looks like, smells like, or tells me that they don't have any fear. Yes. Like, it's just a no-go for like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like It's just not gonna happen for me. And I I would also say I have a
0: difficult time trusting when people haven't done their own work, Mm -hmm. this this type of a work to look at maybe some of those old paradigms, those old templates from family origin, those uh, disempowering beliefs, those old perspectives. I have a difficult time going, okay, this is going to be a productive conversation. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, I don't know about that.
1: I, I feel like that's important now more than ever that, um, we are doing our own work and that that really is what builds trust and authenticity. And, um, it's what builds communities. Honestly, I really, mm-hmm. I really believe that
0: completely. I, I, I concur so i understand that you have literally written the book on this and kind of kind of very serendipitously <laughs> i am so pumped about this the day that you are hearing this brilliant conversation is the day that your book baby has come into the world
1: and tell really them book baby
0: all the things tell them all the things because you have some extra fun stuff too ha- happening around it
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much I could tell you. So Book Baby is a very accurate description. So I mean, you know, like I've been wanting to write this book for I, I can't say wanting to, I've been thinking about writing this book for probably over a decade, right? Um, I became a mom, my daughter is 12 now. Mm-hmm. And that for me was my TSN turning point. Like that was the moment where I was like, shit or get off the pot. Like you need Mm -hmm. to make a decision. How are you going to live your life? How are you going to show up for her? Um, Are you going to be able to like, like lead her right? right by leading yourself? And so that was a huge turning point in my own life. And that's really what like sort of set me on this trajectory of wanting to understand what it meant to be an emotionally intelligent woman Mm -hmm. for myself, selfishly for her, my daughter, and then for my clients. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how the book was birthed. Like, you know, if you pick up a copy, if you read it, it's, it's dedicated to my incredible daughter, who I really believe, like, I would not have, I would not have even done my own work Mm -hmm. I'm going to admit that I would not have done my own work if it wasn't for her. Cause I think for me, she was a reflection, right? Like she was like holding up the mirror to all the shit that I had not yet dealt with. Yeah, Even though I had already been practicing psychotherapy, Mm -hmm. right? So you can be like in the field, helping other people, not looking at your own stuff. And that was me truly. So that's sort of what triggered all of that for me. And so the book is called the emotionally intelligent woman. I teach from the framework that we discussed. It's all, you know, emotional mastery, fearless communication, leading with confidence. So I teach from that framework and interspersed throughout the teaching is my own story of, of how I, I struggled. Like I really, this did not come naturally to me. Yeah. Right. And like, none of this came naturally to me. If you had told me when I was, you know, a teenager, even in my early twenties, that I would write a book called the emotionally intelligent woman (laughs) would not have believed you. I don't think the people in my life would have believed you either. Um, but here we are and I'm, I'm super excited about it. I'm scared Mm -hmm. to put it out into the world. It feels really vulnerable. Um, but yeah, this, this episode drops the same day the book is published, which is brilliant. Um, and then two days later, February 9th, we're throwing a massive virtual launch party. I'm teaching a masterclass all about, you know, who is the emotionally intelligent woman? And how does she live, love, and lead with such unwavering confidence? Like how, like, what are the skills needed? Yeah. Um, so I would love for your audience to join me for that. And I know you'll be linking everything up below. Yeah, we'll be sure to throw that all in the show notes
0: and please go check that out. So is it something they, they sign up for
1: and then they get, okay, perfect. So if you register for, it's a book launch party, like you don't have to purchase the book to attend. It's a virtual party to just talk about the book. And then I'm going to be teaching um, a masterclass on who is the emotionally intelligent woman? Oh, that's fantastic. What is her magic? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. I love this.
0: This is fantastic. Well, Shamala, thank you for being so incredibly generous with your time. I, I think there are so many fantastic nuggets in, in our conversation today. And so I will let you go take a shower. (laughs) Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Have my smoothie. That's right. Right. Have some post-workout shakes and stuff, but it was so fantastic (laughs) to uh, catch up with you. And yeah, just really grateful for you and the
1: work that you're doing. Amy, thank you so much. All
0: right. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Okay.
1: Chat soon. Bye.
0: What a blessing. That was packed with so many great nuggets i'm hoping that you enjoyed that conversation please come hang out with me over on instagram you can find me under the handle hey amygreensmith and share with me what were some of the nuggets you can very easily find promo images of this particular episode so swing over there and drop a comment under there and let me know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode i i really think that that The more that we converse about this and let go of some of the stigma around addressing emotions, the better really we all are going to be. And obviously, the richer our relationships will be. Please don't forget to check out the show notes. There will be all of the links for Dr. Shamala where you can check out the event that she's got going on and sign up for that amazing training that she's got surrounding her book launch. And next week, I'm going to be talking about four very specific styles of communication We talked about it a little bit on today's show, but I want to do more of a deep dive. And this is going to be about communication with all types of relationships. Again, it will not be specifically to intimate partnerships. So be sure to check in with us next week for that. And until then, remember that you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth.